1: Lob Talk Radio. This is Anne-Marie Lockhart, and you're listening to Vox Poetica's 15 Minutes of Poetry. I'm here today with our poet and guest, Ryan J. Torres. Hi, Ryan. Thank you for joining me.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Um, We're going to start, no interlude, with just a a poem you're going to read to us from your first collection. And after you've read it, I would like uh, to talk a little bit about that collection and, and go from there.
0: Sounds great. This, uh, this first one's called Genesis. There was a simpler time, but it didn't last that long. I didn't choose to write poetry. I could have been a carpenter. I could have had a business. I could have had money. I didn't choose to write poetry. He took me from a glorious sleep with a violent shake when I was much younger and said, Hey, man, I need to crash here for a while. I haven't slept well since. He keeps waking me up in the middle of the night with wild ideas and demands that I write them down for him. He liked the blues and cheap wine, walking outside during rainy nights and stealing the lives of strangers that turn into his next great anything. I'm the only one who pays rent, even though he swears he'll be good for it one day. He never eats my food, even though he's always starving. On his best days, he devours typewriter ribbon and downs Indian ink first thing in the morning. It was a time that he took a vacation and disappeared for months, so I waited for him to come back. I had almost given up hope and settled for the typical and the mundane, but then I saw him rise from the dust on the bookshelves, sit the typewriter, and begin again. And he's still here, for now. We're taking bets on who will die first because it's the only thing we don't know about each other.
1: <laughs> I'm laughing because I think that's an incredibly universal, relatable poem for anyone who's ever written anything. <laughs> <laughs> and the idea of your life being taken over by your muse is really awesome. Um, so, okay, let's, let's go right to the beginning. So, Ryan, tell me how you started to write. I mean, I get the poem piece, but let's hear the real piece.
0: My um, my earliest memory of being interested in writing was when I was about five years old. And um, I, had a, I had a book bag. It was a Power Rangers book bag. And um, I used to take pieces of notebook paper and crayons, and I would write... Words on them, as I heard them. I'd spell them the best I could, and then I'd rip them out of the notebook. It is a terrible waste of paper. (laughs) But but you, you don't know any better. So I used to rip it out. I'd crumble them up into balls of paper, and then I would stuff them in this backpack. And then later on, I would bring them out again and just kind of lay them out and look at them or rearrange them and my uh my mother she reminded me of this uh this this thing a little while ago that I used to do and then I started thinking about it and I was like I do vaguely remember that blue backpack and me doing that <laughs> and uh, that was that that was what we think was the start of it but um I didn't really start writing poetry until uh high school and mm. cuz I, I was a what what would have been called a, a jock in high school. I, I was a wrestler, a football player, and I played baseball, but I always kept uh, a little notebook in my helmet or in my um, sneakers in my locker. And then I would just <laughs> kind of write before going onto the field or when I was sitting on the bench uh, between, you know, when it was halftime, I would, I would sit there and, and write a bit and kind of keep it well hidden because it wasn't usually well received by a, the other guys. <laughs> I know that.
1: <laughs> Imagine <So>. that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um yeah, that was that was I would say high school is when I started taking it seriously, but I always kinda of dabbled. Um
1: so the, with book, that. the the collection that you just read that poem from. Uh tell us a little bit about the origin of that, that collection, that poem collection.
0: Um, it is the first it's it's kind of a mixed bag of the past I would, I'd be comfortable saying a decade. I'm 31 now, so yeah, it's probably since I was 21 until um, until it was published in uh, 2017. Of just like poems that I enjoyed, and then um, when I was at a reading, uh, my publisher came up to me and said, "Do you ever think about doing a book?" And I said, "Yeah." So I, I went home and I started pulling out all these old I can't say files because a lot of these poems were tucked into a gym bag in my attic. And, um, <laughs> several of them were in a filing cabinet that it's an, it's the filing cabinet's a mess. It's not even in order. And then in my desk drawers and in notebooks. So I started like, I had a huge pile on the floor of just poetry and I started sifting through it. And when I got down to what I have now in poem and the four letter words, I just sent it off. And, uh, that was, that was the first go. collection. That was putting it together. and um, uh, when the, the funny thing about that is when they said, you have too much, I just went through, and the the poems that I could not remember the first stanza of, I just omitted, and that's how I got <laughs> my poem
1: down. You know, it's as good a strategy as any other, I think. I mean, when we talk about yeah. crafting a manuscript, there are so many ways to do it, so, you know, you're right right there. With your method, it worked. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so we talked a little before, and I told you we were going to go here. You're, you also write horror, so let's talk about that right now and get it out of the way, because I'm totally curious. Um, how, why, what, and uh, let's start with that. <laughs>
0: uh, how is a process in which I would um, – I'm, I'm an only child. So there was um, there was a bit about, I was really scared of a lot of stuff growing up because I had this very vivid imagination. And the houses that we lived in were interesting. The first house that my parents and I moved into when I was six, I was five going on six, was a funeral home. Oh, boy. And, uh, yeah, so there was that. And, um, my mother claimed to see things all the time. And then, um, it, it just got piggybacked by, um, scary stories to tell in the dark by Alvin Schwartz with the drawings by, um, Stephen mm-hmm. Gamble. Mm-hmm. He, the, that was, I read those religiously and, um, Bruce Colville books. I think that's how you say his last name. It was like book of monsters, book of aliens. I read all those. And then, um, I was always told um, kind of folklor-y, folklore stories growing up just to kind of keep me out of trouble. In fact, the, the the book that's coming out, it has one horror short story in it, and that serves as a warning that my grandfather told me so that I would stay away from going in the quarry at in uh, Annville, Pennsylvania, which is where he oh. grew up. So it, it, it was combination of all those things, like my book my second book a Russell in the Attic, which is all horror, all those stories stem from the things that I was afraid of, and mm. um the like i to this day, <laughs> I still don't sleep in a four post bed that's the mattresses are raised off the ground so i I kind of like our mattresses are on the floor <laughs> I had that thing of, like, if you hang an arm over, something's going to get you. I don't know why I'd always <laughs> kind of stuck with it. Um, so things like that. I was always kind of just kind of a kooky, scared little kid. And uh, then I became a kooky, scared man. And that was <laughs> that's <was> the <laughs> gist of it. So,
1: but so as book, you write, yeah. Yeah. As yeah, you write, um. Writing as you write the horror and as you write poetry, so do you have to kind of split into two different Ryan Torres for that work? Or do do you, is it one, you know, kind of one writer, one mode depending on the day kind of a thing? Mm,
0: um, My poetry is, I would say there's so much of a split. It's more, my poetry is really based in romantic spontaneity. Like I'm Mm -hmm. the kind of guy that pulls his, his car over to the side of the road when those, those you know, those fresh stanzas and that golden sentence or whatever kind of bubbles up, and then I have to write it down.
1: Mm-hmm. But um,
0: my poetry, poetry is usually a brain dump. Like I just, as soon as it's out, I don't play with it or fiddle around with it. I just, I just take it for what it is, and then I, I've always felt that if I did that, people would be getting the real sense of me in that mind frame, using the words that I either purposefully or accidentally meant to use, but that's what they're getting. I wouldn't like, I try to keep, I don't know. A lot of, a lot of people talk, a lot of people, uh, I mean, I've gotten to like discussions with people about this where I don't go back and like mess with it or, or, or or be too hard on myself as far as critiquing goes,
1: because it's supposed
0: to be, you, you get it out of your head and then you feel better for a little while or you it's catharsis you have a bit of it, yeah. A yeah yeah it's very
1: cathartic yeah um, and I and, you know I'm, i know but, writers who really work at the editing side and others who never do that and i you know I, I i like the effects of both of those things when i read their work so i you know whatever works for you is the thing that you should you should you should stick with and i don't think you're having any problems in that area with their next collection coming along too that
0: was, um, um that, 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 that.
1: Sorry. No, no, no. Continue.
0: The, I was going to say that the horror aspect is I just get an idea and I write down the idea and I stick it in a drawer and then I just let it percolate for a little while. Like, um, there's one story in my, um, in my second book where it's called, um, oh, God. Can you believe that? Uh, <laughs> yes. Welcome, welcome home, Martin. That's what it is. Uh-huh. Welcome home, Martin. The story came from a house that's down the street from my 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 wife's parents' house, and we've never seen anybody go in and out of that place. There was always this this 1989 uh, Dodge Omni sitting in the driveway, just with weeds growing <laughs> off the side of it. And you didn't think anybody lived in it. Like the, the, the car never moved. And then one day we drove past and there was this bluish gray light from a television set on in the bay window and the outline of the head as if somebody was sitting on the couch watching TV. And I was like, oh, no. oh my God, that's absolutely horrifying. So then I went home <laughs> and I wrote a story where this couple notices that they get curious they, and then they Get involved, and then it gets involved involved back. So there's Ooh. this, forth and yeah. Won't give too much away,
1: obviously. <laughs> no, no, no but, give people something to look for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a di- it is a different process for you to write now. But tell me where the poetry and the and the horror come together. I am actually really really curious about that.
0: I. I write horror-based poetry um, during the fall and winter months just because September 22nd to November 22nd is my favorite time of year. And um, I was uh, – I, I just kind of get into the mind frame of that because then I'm in the mood for, you know, as soon as the chill hits the fall, I'm ready to sort of – I constantly have that on my mind because i think about like all this the the stuff that i got into as a kid with this like that was the time when we would sit in the treehouse and read those books that i mentioned before in the mm. neighborhood and that was the time when um all the, the the good movies that i wasn't allowed to watch came on basic cable and they were edited so i could watch them <laughs> i mean that's how i ended up watching that's how i ended up watching the shining when i was 6 just like, oh like that, and um, so that that's like bringing back that energy every year helps me like write or combine the genres together.
1: It's very inspirational. Yeah. Would you read us one of your um, horror poems, please?
0: Sure. Um, I like to. Say that this one is <clears throat> something I typically read to kids, but it's not really a kid-friendly. Yeah, you'll you'll hear it. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's uh, some kids it's a little too much for them, but anyway, it's it's uh, It's called um it's called Captain Genki. There's no such thing as Captain Genki. That's what my mother said just like there are no closet gnomes or dragons under my bed. There is no Captain Genki. We looked it up online. We checked the library and all the books. There was no trace to find. There is no Captain Genki. I talked to all my friends. They haven't seen him, so he can't exist. I wish this all would end, because even as I sit here in the dark and in my bed, Captain Genki stands before me with two eyes glowing red. His jaws are wide and drooling, his fur is matted and greasy, his face is covered in boils and scars, the sight of him makes him queasy. Captain Genki says he's hungry, over and over again, and as he moves in closer, I fear this is the end. I thought there was no Captain Genki, that's what my mother said. Oh, why did Mama have to lie and send me straight to bed?
1: There is a long history, as we know, in literature of of horror themes and children's stories. You know, this is not, it's not exactly new terrain, but we are still, in fact, uh, you know, we react with horror every time we hear it, which is bizarre. But, you know, and some of that stuff, like in the case of your grandfather speaking to you about, you know, don't go into quarries, some of it is cautionary. But some of it is also, like you said, to exercise your own fears and those that, that would be um, recognizable in, in an audience of children. So how much when you write either in either of those, um, the poetry stuff or the, there's humor in there too. Um, do you add that in consciously? Do you attempt to lighten it sometimes? Is there an element where you're thinking, you know, this could be useful to somebody else or is it all, you know, is, is all that stuff kind of um, just, part of what's happening under the surface below the the writer's guide
0: it just that um, it, reference to that poem in particular it just came out that way it was um <laughs> like you point out the humor and stuff i didn't like. i wasn't cognizant of like what i was doing i knew i wanted to write say this poem when I first kind of thought about it, I was like, wouldn't it be, it always starts out that way. It's like, wouldn't it be weird? Or wouldn't it be cool? Or (laughs) wouldn't it be nice? Or wouldn't it be terrifying if I wrote a poem about the fact that I was scared of the dark um, and that this was the kind of Bigfoot-esque thing that I would see in the darkness? Like that's the thing that I was afraid that was coming after me. Like, mm. if I put that in a poem, I get over it for good, you know? Mm. That was like, or if I put it in a short story, like my short, like my collection, if I write about those fears in the way that I felt them and uh, really captured it, would I be able to get over it? And I found that it has helped. So it's been ther- very therapeutic with stuff, like... Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I can tell you when I became afraid of the dark and I wrote about this in, in the intro to the second book, but it's all because my dad went to Hershey Park (laughs) and when he came home, because my family was visiting from Puerto Rico and when he came home, he gave me this thing and I don't remember what it was exactly, but I used to describe it as a giant, like, almost like a green bean. It wasn't an M&M because that's Mars. And I know, like, Hershey's doesn't do M&M's like, <laughs> I don't think. But it had, like, a big smiley face. It was, like, this green something. And it had, like, ar- It had like Mickey Mouse arms and, like, the Mickey Mouse legs with the shoes. I remember that. <laughs> and it was big. It was, it was almost as big as me. So I went and I put it on toy chest and went to bed that night and didn't realize that its eyes and its mouth glowed in the dark. None <laughs> of us knew that. So when a car backfired on Canal Street, I woke up, and that was the first thing I saw. So then oh. as all little kids' natural defense towards monsters and boogeymen, you hide under the bed covers because they can't <laughs> get you under there. Until my mom came in to check on me. She put her hand on my shoulder. I thought it was that thing. And I fell right off the bed and rolled into my Ghostbusters tent. <laughs> and then I was like horrified ever since. <laughs> Whatever. So there you go. Oh, and,
1: no. Uh, yeah. Well, you know what? If if that's what it takes to write fun stuff, then I'm on all favor of it. I think yeah. it's a great thing. <laughs> So you mentioned the second book. Let's talk a little bit about that second book. It's uh, When is it coming out? Tell us what it's about. What can we look for?
0: Oh, the second book is out. I wrote um, my – it's my third book that, that's on the way okay. in two weeks. But, but the second book is um, A Russell in the Attic, and it's just um, horror stories, it's tales of horror and the bizarre because um, – <laughs> like i said i i, I wrote it all based off of like fears that i had and yeah. um like there's another story in there it's like we're like there's a there's a story about a man who discovers a serum that makes him immortal yeah like impervious to certain damages and things cuz to me like the thought of immortality is like horrifying so i wrote a story <laughs> about it i was thinking about cuz i always wrote these things like my favorite, my favorite book is Frankenstein. Oh,
1: it's and a good I one. Wanted, it's a good one. I, I don't know because she wrote it
0: when she was sixteen, and I'm like, how do you do that? <laughs> um, and, you know, it's
1: it's it's she, marvelous.
0: <laughs> and uh, and um, the so I I I touched on that because I was like, what a what a horrifying thing to think about, but at the same time, I wanted my kind of. Prometheus in that regard like something that mm-hmm. you think is a gift turns out to be a curse and mm-hmm. i touch on that so um, but yeah like I said the, the, the second book, A Russell in the Attic is mostly all dealing with fears that I had to cope with growing up and some of which I still do cope with um, and then using the formats that like the storytellers the way they used it going back and reading like Ambrose Bierce and mm. um, and Poe and Lovecraft and thinking to myself, okay, how did they do that? How did they scare the hell out of me? And how can I do that to the people that are that are kind enough to read my stuff?
1: Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. Because I want to I
0: want to I want to try to horrify you. I want to make <laughs> you feel the way I feel about these certain things. I feel like that that that. that bu- me as a writer with those that choose to read my stuff more than anything. Mm. Uh, like, I, I like to be approached by people who have read the horror collection and say, like, I've always had a fear of this, too. And mm-hmm. you, like, you, you really hit the nail on the head with, like, what it's like to cope with that or what it's in, in those characters or in that, that bizarre situation that's, like, blown out of proportion, of course, because it's, you know, you're dealing with ghosts and monsters and the unexplainable. But then that's it, when we were kids, that's what we dealt with because we couldn't process it. So we're like, yeah. this is all horrifying. It must be this. And then you don't realize how outlandish it is. So really trying to well, capture that.
1: And to share it with others, which makes for a, an interesting kind of bonding, maybe hazing experience sometimes, I would imagine. But, but definitely bonding. Yeah. You know, you, you get that universality issue of fear mm-hmm. and uh and you're right. It does help you to overcome it to be able to share it. That, that's, I think, that's one of the first steps in getting over any any of our childhood fears. Let's, um, yeah. we're running out of time, as always happens. Let's talk about this new book, and then I want to hear something from it. So let's talk about what it is.
0: Okay. the uh, the The book that's coming in a couple of weeks in, in September is um, it's called Blessed Are the Snakes. And it's going to be poetry. There's going to be some haiku in there, because I've, I've, I have I've always dabble with haiku when it comes to, like, um, if I try to remember things. Sometimes I'll write down a haiku to try to help me remember certain <laughs> – like, if I'm taking, like, a class, or um, – because I teach. So if I'm doing, like, a – training seminar or something. I'd be like, all right, that's really interesting to remember. I'll turn it into a haiku just so it helps me memorize it. So I put a couple of haikus in there just for people to kind of bat around. And um, the, the, the last part of the book is it has one short story in it, which is the one that I mentioned about my grandfather's warning. And mm-hmm. the story is written. Um, it, it jumps between the the dialogue of the grandfather in Pennsylvania German uh, accent and his harsh Pennsylvania German accent <clears throat> telling like, oh yeah, there was this thing that we did and went to the quarry to shoot rats and I saw this thing. And then it goes to the narration of my grandfather as a child with his brother and how he discovers this thing. And I've already had a couple people read it and go, did this actually happen? Like, is this a, <laughs> a, a, like, and I said, no, it's not real. It was just a, a warning that we got when we were a kid. Like <laughs> me and my, husband. and I kept All us right, away should... from going. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If you told it well enough, I'm sure it would scare any of us the hell away from a quarry. What's up? What, what, read us something from the collection, please.
0: Okay. Um, I'll read uh, this one, a short one called um, Consumption. I dreamt of Keats chiseling his name on a Grecian urn as his throat slowly closed and his hands bled. I thought of you as I fixed the antique typewriter, swearing as the poem slowly began to escape me. Maybe I have this whole thing backwards. You, following the pipes from the furnace, wondering why it won't kick on as the family watched their breath in the kitchen. Maybe you have this whole thing backwards. You just wanted the furnace to start burning. I just wanted the furnace to keep burning. Keith's, his fire had long been extinguished. Next time, please believe me when I tell you that all of us really aren't that different.
1: Lovely. Very nice. I, I um,
0: I wrote that I wrote that about my father because uh, he and I worked on the furnace because we live in a really I live in a really old house and he came here to help me fix up the furnace and I collect typewriters and I had to typewrite a typewriter ribbon snap and then the 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 hammers got stuck and I couldn't get a I couldn't figure it out and then I finally did and then he couldn't figure out why the furnace was leaking and then he finally did. <laughs> And I always like uh, I always like Keith. He's one of my favorite writers. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, I always called my father an artist because he's a brilliant cabinet maker. But he's always like, I'm mm. oh, no artist. Uh, uh. So I kind of wrote that for him.
1: <laughs> it's a lovely, lovely tribute. Thank you. Um, tell us where we can find your books, please.
0: Uh, it will be my books are on Amazon, and they're also on um, the. Publishing company's website, which is Red Dashboard, um, which I believe is reddashboard.com, I think. Yep.
1: Yes, it is. I
0: should know that. Definitely is it's Red Dashboard. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And people uh, can Google you. Yep. yep. And if uh, if uh, I, I don't know, I have uh, some in some in bookstores around the Doylestown, New Hope, Pennsylvania area um, nice. that were nice enough to stock, stock my stuff.
1: Ryan Torres, it's been a pleasure. We are all out of time. I want to thank you so much for coming and speaking to us about your work and sharing those pieces and and just giving us a whole new look at some ideas about poetry that we have. I appreciate you taking the time on this Sunday. Thank you for joining me. And And I thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Um hoping everyone gets a chance to check out your work. You can find him on social media, on the Internet, and everywhere else. And he does appear at readings in different places. You can also find information about that at Red Dashboard. And I hope to see you soon at some event coming up. Um, he's always a wonderful reader. If you get a chance to hear him, don't turn it down. Sure. Thank you for Thank listening, you. everyone. We'll be back soon with someone else and more poetry. Have a great week. Bye-bye.